Torrent Borealis Paradigm Expansion Greetings from the North, all citizens of the Earth. Welcome to Forum Borealis and another program in our philosophy series called Divulging of the Elements. Now, this is a topic that should be familiar for most people. However, the general insight into it, even by most who work with it consciously through different systems, such as tarot, astrology, Kabbalah, alchemy, etc., is tragically low, as it's largely a matter of poor quality information out there, as as there is not a practical or essential understanding of it in general, but rather just regurgitated plodering of poor books based upon other books and so on. So instead of bogging you down with lots of recitations of what the elements represents... We're going to try an original approach, which is divulging examples of how they manifest in all layers of existence throughout the cosmos, coupled with having on a guest who can fill you in on the basics. Indeed, if you grasp the elemental aspects of the elements, you can work out the rest by yourself. The recurring guest chosen as my sparring partner in this discussion is Timothy Warren Hogan, who is out with a new book on exactly this subject. His main approach to it has been through ritualism and alchemy, a discipline he has worked with practically, even offered courses in lab alchemy. He used to run an Alchemy 101 course through the SanctumSanctorum.com site and have taught it in private circles as well. He learned it originally from his grandfather, Huge Warren, who was metallurgist at Denver University, who had learned it from his father and so on in the family line, seven generations back through great-grandfathers to Dr. and General Joseph Warren of the American Revolutionary war who was the first grandmaster of the forming country and part of the sons of liberty of course mr hogan is an author researcher and initiate of several different esoteric traditions within rosicrucianism martinism freemasonry and gnosticism he is the grandmaster of multiple templar lineages including the Order of the Temple of Secret Initiates and run the Templar Collegia, a school for personal cultivation that studies the world's cultures and spiritual traditions throughout history. Additionally, he is a former editor and has written for several periodicals over the last decade, including L'Initiation or Initiation. The New Equinox Journal, the Scottish Rite Journal and Herodom, Ariadne's Web and the Livingston Magazine. Furthermore, he has worked in the film and television industry as an advisor on different projects. He's appeared on numerous TV programs worldwide, as well as multiple podcasts and radio interviews. Tim Hogan is an avid traveller who has lectured all over the world in both public and private venues. 
at one point even speaking in four different continents in the span of a week. Moreover, he has run for major of Aurora, Colorado, in a special election that he almost won, save for two single votes, thus coming in second out of 14 candidates. He has also been involved with science, working for the National Space Labs in Boulder, Colorado, on a number of projects. Of the big space project he's been involved in is the Advanced Composition Explorer Satellite Project in conjunction with NOAA and the Space Command and working on a diagram of the Big Bang through first cellular life forms called the Timeline of Light with Dr. Jonathan Fowler based on work of the cosmologist Brian Swimmer which was presented at the United Nations for its 50th anniversary. But the perhaps weirdest project he did was working with CSETI, cataloging alien abduction recalls via hypnosis, as well as other otherworldly projects in the past, including being involved in some remote viewing work for one of the heads of NASA, namely Alan Holt, which was completely under the table and was done with about 50 other remote viewers in Las Vegas in around 2000. Although it was being done on behest of NASA, they agreed to tell them everything they knew about UFOs in exchange for this work, as it was understood that nobody would believe them anyway if they told people about it. And I just realized this should be a show in itself. (laughs) Maybe in the future. But his far more mundane day job is CEO of Elite Sterling Security and Timothy is one of the founders of the cigar shop Fraternitas Cigars. Welcome back to Forum Borealis, Timothy. Uh, it's so good to be here. Good to hear your your voice again. And ditto for you, bro. I'm so excited about this conversation today because since last time we spoke, and I was thinking of having you on for alchemy. We never seem to get around to that because in the meantime, <laughs> you have published a book about one of my favorite subjects, which is the elements. Yeah. And so I had to have you on for this. Full disclosure, people. I've been working with the elements my whole life. Um, I'm even teaching it in some kind of school. Yeah, cool. And so I figured between us, we can generate an interesting conversation about it. I I have no doubt it'll be uh, just with your background and and as as mine, uh, I'm sure we can provide a pretty full uh, exploration of the subject. Yeah. And what I like about your book is that on the one hand, it's like an introduction, it's like the basics, everything you need to understand the element. In fact, I think I'm going to recommend it to the pupils I have about it. Oh, that sounds great. But on the other hand, you don't do... Uh, the problem with many beginner books is that they're full of errors. And let's be honest, we are not, we're not relativists. We are not saying everything goes. There are certain facts and there are certain errors in life and especially in nature. And so, I mean, it's a science in a way. Correct, yeah. And so the cool thing with this book, although it is an introduction, it adheres to the 
what I would say is the correct essentials, which means that they don't have to unlearn a lot of bull that <laughs> you usually have to do with introductionary books. You can, you can have this all your life if you're working with the elements, no matter if it's tarot or alchemy or astrology or whatever. You see what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, one of the reasons why I wrote it is, is I felt like, on the one hand, the elements are something that are used all the time in, in, in ritual around the world and in, in sacred texts. And they're one of the most fundamental symbols uh, that we really begin to grasp in our consciousness as we're, as we're adapting to this world. And yet, uh, and so many of our words uh, come from things related to the elements, and, uh, and yet so many people are really uh, haven't given it much thought, and the ones who who have almost have just kind of parroted things mm -hmm. that they heard somebody say, or but they haven't really given it much thought. And and there's a there's a there's a there's a real order to them, and there's a a real tradition related to the elements that has been preserved within esoteric. Uh, traditions and orders and schools, it, it, they harmonize with each other. Once you understand, you know the science behind it, it's 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 almost uh, well, it's elemental, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I, I don't know how popular uh, this program will be. I'm unsure because there's not really many books specifically on the elements and certainly not many podcasts about it so it i mean it's like you say it's elemental so and and all sorts of people meet it in all different approaches to to different things so on the one hand i would assume it will be a popular show on the other hand it may be too too esoteric we'll see i know i know for for a fact that our last show no uh no our first show maybe was very popular. I mean, we have yes. 200,000. I would never imagine 200,000 people would check out Gnosticism. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've been surprised at the, I've been pleasantly surprised at the, the number of people who've, who've listened to that show. I mean, I, in fact, I was giving a lecture in Santa Barbara, California, mm -hmm. uh, only, uh, about two months ago. And, uh, I went to check into the hotel, and the and the person behind the desk said, uh, "Oh, Timothy Hogan, are are, are are you in town for a lecture?" I was like, "Yeah, yeah I'm here. I'm here to give a lecture." And, and she and she said, uh, I, "I was just listening to you the other like two days ago on this podcast." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> and it was your show. You know? Yeah. That's so great. I was like, oh, I felt pretty, uh, you know, it was pretty exciting. <laughs> hey, you hotel clerk or whatever, if you're out there, hats off. Thank you for, for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope uh, all our listeners will do that when they encounter one of the guests we have. That's so great. It's a small world in a way, um, but it's always, it's always nice when stuff like that happens. It is. They can never do that with me, you know, because I'm semi-anonymous. <laughs> <laughs> so I can never experience that thing. Yeah. But that's okay. We're into it for the ideas, not the personalities. Okay. Let's launch this thing then. Um, okay. And, and by the way, listeners, if 
some of you don't know our show and our format, we do long-form conversational interviews. So if some of you are annoyed that I'm talking, it's scripted. It's it's a part of the thing. Uh, Timothy is aware of it, and our listeners enjoy it. Okay, so I'm not I'm not being a rude host by putting my two cents on the table. This is I, I suggest to new listeners you just regard it as being a fly on the wall, listening in on two friends having a conversation, rather than imagining that you're an audience in a hall uh, listening to a lecture. Uh, we we do the conversational thing. So if you're good with that, we can launch. Sounds good. Now, uh, I don't know where to start uh, because there's so much to say. But if we look at your book, uh, you you start with introducing the elements and relieving to see that you do it in the right order because they have a right order, like you said, and they also have an internal dynamic that is important, and we'll get back to that. But you start introducing them, earth, water, air, fire. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, from a, if we, if we, you know, our understanding of the elements initially comes from our observation of nature itself. If you take uh, any element or uh, any type of physical thing, let, let, let's say a piece of wood, just because it's easy to illustrate, mm-hmm. you know, a piece of wood, it, it starts out as uh, this this physical thing, you know, this, this earth-based thing. And uh, if you start to heat that piece of wood, it'll then start to excrete oils. It'll mm. start to excrete moisture, right? Which is the, uh, the would be the, the, the water element, the liquid component mm-hmm. uh, within it. And then those um, water or oils, those, uh, those liquid elements uh, with further heat then start to turn to steam, or they start to turn to gases, which is a type of air. I mean, air is just a gas. And uh, from that, the uh, the gases can actually then catch on fire. Mm. And so it, it turns into the, it goes to that, that fire aspect. So, so, I mean, that's, that's how we observe it in nature. And, uh, and it could be argued that from that observation that, esoteric systems, uh, early mystery schools, early traditions, notice that there was a a level of density to these different states, you know, with with earth being the most dense state and and fire being, or this plasma state being uh, the least dense. And uh, there was a and so they would set up systems of initiation based on these uh, going from the most heavy, if you will, mm-hmm. to the lighter uh, and or more ethereal. And they would set up, uh, they, they described our level of identification in terms of our consciousness with, with how we how we associate ourselves with the world related to these elements so that uh, like earth represented things that were where we identify with physical things. I mean, uh, we all know people who all they do is live for new titillations and, 
They're just trying to get lots of physical things. And that's just what they live for. They don't even see beyond their physical... Obsessed with Earth, huh? <laughs> They're totally obsessed with the Earth, exactly. And then, as you... As one reflects on their their nature a little bit more and their constitution of who they are, there's this recognition that we also have this emotional component to ourselves. And, and our emotions oftentimes influence how we react in the physical world. Mm-hmm. And the physical world generates emotion. And uh, these these emotions were really represented, uh, were representative of water. You know, it was believed that water uh, represented this emotional nature and that uh, just as like when you're upset and you can you can start crying when you're sad, you know, there's there's water being released from you. But, uh, but beyond that, uh, we've, we've all heard the expression of, of drowning in your emotions. Mm-hmm. This idea of of being so caught up in your emotions that you you sink in them like they're water, you know. Mm-hmm. So these these ideas were related to to water, and then uh, once you understood you had an emotional side to your nature, uh, from that you could also build an intellectual and a a uh, better understanding of things of the mind and uh, what is mind what is consciousness and is it um, I mean once you have your emotions under control then you can direct the the energy from that into you know to higher thinking and and so that these these things of the mind were associated with with air um, they're more they're less tangible, you know, that there are thoughts. I mean, uh, and, but consciousness itself, and if you, all, all you have to do is uh, hold your breath long enough and <laughs> you'll stop thinking, you know. <laughs> so it was, you know, there was this, this tie between breath and air and, uh, and thought and thinking and consciousness. Mm-hmm. And then uh, from that, uh, there was this other step, which was seen to be associated with fire, which was a uh, was light, and it was heat, and it was the the will, and it was the volition to do things and to to make things happen, and it was also this this symbol of spiritual illumination that transcended just our everyday thinking. And uh, and that it was in some ways the prime mover that that allowed the other states of matter to, to you know it took the heat from fire to get the earth to, to heat up to liberate the water. Yeah, we we see in fire a very important um, key there that fire can actually influence all the other elements. Yeah, it's, it's like the action. It's the transmuter. It's the, mm. Yeah, it's what transforms things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it's important what you say about nature because either we think this is something that is inherited from 
an ancient antediluvian civilization or if we think it's um, picked up by just observing nature because in all the ancient cultures in all the ancient systems they agreed about the base with one exception uh, we can come back to that but they agreed about the basic nature and outline of the elements yeah that's right and so it either suggests a common source, maybe very, very old, or it just suggests that these nature-based philosophies, which are the most ancient of all thought systems, came to the same conclusions because they were dealing with the same um, with the same corpus, basically. And so, and maybe it's a question of both an inheritance and a rediscovery, if you like. Oh, sure. And yeah, so, yeah, yeah. alchemy is a very good approach here because. Uh, your excellent uh, description of the different states is unquestionable, is what happens. We have the solid state, which is regarded as earth. We have the fluid state associated to water, just like the feelings, right? And we have the gaseous state uh, associated to thoughts. You know, I I often use in my meditation course, I I used to say, imagine that thoughts are like clouds yeah and if you're going to clear your mind you're going to have a clear sky right so that the fourth element the fire the sun can shine through and and that we can maybe call plasma state yeah that's right yeah you know the alchemists they 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 observe too that through any any type of uh transmutation that you're doing whether you're working with metals or whether you're working with herbs but when you're talking physical lab alchemy uh, you had to take it through certain stages in order to transform it to get the the healing uh, aspects out and so uh, for example the first thing you had to do is you had to find something from the earth that it was of value. So you'd find an herb, say. Let's say an herb. We'll start with an herb. But mm-hmm. again, it could be metal if you're talking metallic alchemy. But you would, you would, you'd start out taking this earth element, whatever it was. And from that, you'd then have to do the next stage was called the digestion stage. And really what this digestion stage was, is it was, you took that earth element and you put it in a vessel that was filled with a fluid that was designed to break down the earth to a certain degree. So if, if you were, if you were working with an herb, you might use uh, water or you could even use alcohol. Um, if you, you, if you were working with a metal, you would stick it in an acid, but either way you, you were taking the, the earth element and sticking it into a liquid that would digest the earth element, just like our stomach digests food Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it would, it would break it down. It would start to liberate the oils and the some of the more subtle aspects of the earth element, uh, the, the more subtle nature from the husk of the earth element, uh, whether it be, uh, yeah, whatever. From that, and, and in some instances, you, you, would even, uh, you could even ferment 
at that point. So you're starting to, to change the, the liquid matrix itself into mm-hmm. like uh, an, an alcohol that contained the oils. From there, then, the, so you went from earth to water or from a solid to a liquid operation. Then from there, you had to distill that liquid. Distillation involved heating the liquid so it would turn into a gas. Mm. And when you turn it into a gas, uh, it would then condense into another vessel. And when you do that, you're, you're, you're collecting the subtle elements of that liquid. Mm-hmm. So you've, you've, you've liberated the, subtle, the subtle elements from the earth into the, into the liquid, and then you're distilling the liquid and, and capturing those subtle things even more through this gas operation. And then finally, the last stage was you then had to, you still had this remnant earth body that was left behind that you had to calcinate down with fire in order to liberate the secret salts that were in it. Right. So through all of these processes, you you know, you're extracting the, um, you're extracting the, uh, what was called the, the sulfur, which was the oils. You were extracting the mercury, which was the, the alcohol, and you were extracting the, the salts uh, through these operations. And these were, of course, uh, the three, you know, oils, alcohol, and salts don't go bad. So they were the three immortal natures that you were capturing to recombine in this new body. But you had to go through these processes of, of operations using uh, water on earth or liquid on earth and then distillation with air, turning it into gas and then using fire uh, to, 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 to take it to these higher levels. So, I mean, the alchemy is there. That's that step of, those are the steps of processes of earth, water, air, and fire uh, in the alchemical lab operations. And, I think that uh, it's also possible that uh, these sciences were passed down from an earlier civilization, perhaps, and uh, and then uh, that idea was incorporated in ritual mm. in order to preserve it and uh, and relate it to uh, the, the human consciousness itself. And the human body, because let's face it, if we, if you look at the human body, I mean, you, the, the, the abdomen contains all the liquid components of the human body. Yeah. So it's, let's say with water, the, the, the chest takes in the air into the lungs. Mm-hmm. So it's associated with air. And then the, the head itself, uh, you know, it emanates heat from it. It's, in fact, 80% of your heat comes from your head. And, uh, you know, the brain and the electrical forces of the of the brain and the nervous system, I mean, are, are they're kind of fire, fire force in themselves. So, yeah. 
there's this progression in that. And I believe this is why it's, it's preserved. If you look at the Hebrew Kabbalistic tradition, they divided the body according to these three uh, divisions. With the, the fourth would have been the, the generative organs mm-hmm. uh, going from with the idea that uh, they had their three mother letters of Mem, Aleph, and Sheen, which corresponded to water, air, and fire, respectively. Mm-hmm. The Gnostics would do their initi- their um, their baptisms uh, through different levels of of awakening. They would baptize with water, and then with later with air, breath, and then finally with with fire. And uh, usually they would use like an anointing with oil because oil uh, catches on fire. The, the first uh, baptism is uh, the birth itself. Or you could say, or you could say when you die, you know, uh, earth yeah. to earth. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, you know, <clears throat> what you've alluded to here is that we really, because many people misunderstand. They, oh, are you going on about elements from the medieval ages? No, no, today we know the elements are, and then they refer to these uh, periodic, uh, you know, the elements of physics. Oh, yeah, periodic table, yeah. That's sure. a big misunderstanding. It's a, it's actually a terminology problem here, because the reason uh, the ancients call them elements, and it's really tragic that the periodic table uh, particles are called elements but uh, the, the reason is the same because the physicists call them the elements i mean the periodic table because it's elemental in building up matter yeah. but here's the thing when we talk about elements or spiritual disciplines esoteric disciplines refer to the elements they're talking about principles in existence that manifests at every level of existence not just in the physical world but also in the physical world as tim here has given illustrations often if you can understand that if you can understand that we're dealing with four cosmic forces from microcosmos to microcosmos the hermetic axiom as above so below but also as within uh, so without in consciousnesses in everything then you'll see why they can truly be called elements because they're building reality not just merely physical uh, dense uh, materium but everything and during this talk today I'll throw in a lot of examples of this fourfoldness Great. because <clears throat> I think it's easier for people to understand this fourfoldness if they get examples of how it manifests otherwise they have to read a lot of books and and kind of uh, you know by heart kind of thing oh earth means this uh, fireman says no it's much easier if you understand them if you just understand recognize them in nature as principles yeah. in fact I think we'll uh, I'll go through a few examples in uh, the physical world uh, in addition to what you have talked about so people can see this fourfoldedness in the materium and then we can say for example that you have um, the four powers in astronomy 
Uh, that's very interesting. And I hate these terms that uh, uh, scientists use because they're very bad in explaining what we're talking about. But you have so-called electromagnetism, which is like water. It's the what's permeating. It's like waves going through the universe. Then you have gravitation, which is Earth, which is kind of... Ties you to the Earth. <laughs> Exactly. For example, right? <laughs> Attracting. Yeah. Then you have, and here comes the bad uh, terms. You have so-called weak and strong nuclear force. But it's interesting if you understand what it is, because the strong nuclear force is fire. That's what you make an atom bomb out of. That's when you take the fire and everything and just unleashes it. But then you have the so-called weak nuclear force, which is kind of the space between the atom, nucleus, and the surrounding particles. So here we have four simple examples of huge forces in nature that corresponds to the elements. We could go to the particles themselves. According to my research, I would say that carbon, which builds up the body, yeah. is Earth, Earth and yeah. and I can I, and I have arguments for it in terms of the protons, the electrons, but that's too technical. We don't have to take that here on Earth, but we can talk about it privately if you're interested. Yeah, interesting. Then you have uh, the second one uh, is is water, which is uh, hydrogen. And then you have the air principle, which is oxygen. And then you have the fire principle, which is nitrogen. So again, four examples of these four powers in nature. Uh, before I, I let you comment, I have a couple of more examples. Yeah, sure, sure. You mentioned the body. So I'd say if you regard the organism, you could say the atomic structure is based upon fire principles. And in their lower frequency, they make molecules, which corresponds to the air principles. In their lower frequency, they make cellular structures, which corresponds to water. And in their lower frequency, we get the organism structure, which is obviously the body itself yeah right and then we could say if you dissect the body we could say that the glands and the nerve structure corresponds to fire the organ structure corresponds to air the fluid structure corresponds to water and the muscle tissue bone structure corresponds to earth Correct. Yeah. And, and actually, a, n a number of traditions, including the Tibetan traditions in particular, uh, have divided everything up exactly, exactly like that. Nice. Nice. You see, it's just confirmation. So I think whether this is an ancient, I mean, even if the ancient had this science, they wouldn't pull it out of their highness. They would do as everyone does observe nature and draw the right conclusion because the book of nature is really the answer book isn't it of existence <laughs> yeah i mean when you consider one of the things I, I talk about at the beginning of my book is this idea that um where does symbolism come from hmm. you know symbolism comes from Initially, I mean, the first, it's the most primitive language, right? I mean, it, it comes from before you even knew how to talk, before you even understood words, when you were just a baby, uh, you were dreaming. And these dreams 
were just symbolic representations of things for you to learn. And from that, we later developed words to describe these things. But almost uh, at the very core of our first observations of this world about who we are and what the forces are that are are impacting us in the world, they tie directly back to these elements. And so yeah. it really is who we are. It's, it's, it's what our conscience, the root of, of our consciousness, how it expresses itself, and all other symbolic forms and uh, ideas of, 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 of navigating in this universe tie back to to these ideas yeah these root elements i mean because that that's our it's our base mode of symbolic language and probably it would be fair to say that these states of matter are probably pretty universal if there's other life out there in the universe uh even if they come from a different different type of planet than earth they probably still have similar states of matter that they've dealing with that uh, that they're composed of that uh, likewise form the basis of their symbolic system absolutely i mean they have to i mean even if they look like the weirdest creatures they have to be based upon the same cosmic laws they have to have life force to be alive they have to have consciousness to be sentient they have to have a vehicle to move in this universe. That's Earth, right? Yeah. And they have to have some kind of soul, uh, I mean, in order to uh, have all these three bodies, yeah. you know, Earth, water, air. They have to have some fire. So, uh, yeah, these are truly universal. It's as universal as numbers. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Yeah, And in many ways, I'd say, and, and you know, yin-yang is tied to this too, because that's the plus and the minus, the masculine and the feminine. And a wise man said in um, the manifested world, I mean, duality, all of this plus minus, the polarity exists only conceptually, but it's really a, it's really a, med, what you call it, a medi, you know, like a bridge. Uh, yeah. Mediating stage. Oh, yeah, mediating stage. Yeah, mediating yeah. stage from the inception to the manifestation or creation, rather. So you have the inception and the idea. Then you have the mediating state. Then you have the creational state, which is uh, equivalent to water. And then you have a manifesting state, which is equivalent to earth. And so they say in this re- reality we live in, meaning this three-dimensional, actually four-dimensional at time, right? Four. There are four dimensions, one for each element. In this world, two doesn't really exist. Polarity doesn't really exist. The wise man said, every time you think you're dealing with two, you're really dealing with four. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Right? Right. And that's the point. So, uh, it, not to say two isn't, uh, it's a con- concept and you need two to get four, right? But the point is, if you see manifestations of duality out there, you're really just seeing manifestations of fourfoldness if you really look. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. 
Yeah, and I, one of the things that intrigued me, I've done a lot of traveling all over the world, and I've met with uh, different traditions, different cultures, different uh, esoteric schools. And I found that these elements are, are the one absolutely universal idea and uh, is incorporated and illustrated in all of the ritual ceremonies and in all the initiations of uh, yeah. all of these different schools every, everywhere in the world. I mean, I even traveled down to the Yucatan and met with uh, Mayan and, uh, you know, these Mayan tribes, they would do uh, this initiation where they would they would bring in the candidate, the person who was being initiated uh, into the sacred space. And they had a, they had a central altar and then they had four other altars, mini altars that were orientated towards the four directions. Yeah. And they would circumambulate the, the candidate or, or, or move the candidate around the ritual space, and he would offer sacrifices of the four elements at each of the each of the altars. So there was a while well, there was an earth altar, and there was a water altar, and there was an air altar, and then there was a fire altar. And the, uh, the central altar kind of represented the the fifth element, the quintessence. Or the yeah, we you know we'll get to the fifth elements uh, later. Yeah. I have it scheduled. It's so much to say about it. We'll not confuse yeah. them about that yet. <laughs> very, very good. But it's true. You can't have four without a fifth. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, but the fact they have it, but the fact that they would do this. Uh, it was something that I had encountered uh, all, literally all over the world with different esoteric groups. And here were these people in the jungle who didn't even speak. Right. They didn't even, you know, technically they were in the jungles of Mexico, but they didn't even speak Spanish, which is the main language in Mexico, because they're so isolated. And, and yet, here they are doing this, these rituals that... Uh, are in many ways identical to uh, other ceremonies done uh, within European systems. Yeah, yeah. And incorporating these elements. I mean, this is unbelievable. Yeah, and I can attest to the fact that you seriously have traveled the world and hooked up with different spiritual traditions. That's... Uh, that's like one of your hallmarks. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And it's interesting, uh, the Don Miguel Ruiz, I think is his name, um, is a Toltec. Yeah. I read some of his books, very based on the four elements, again, in harmony with the Tibetans, with the Hermetics, with the Sufis, with the Kabbalists. Yes, it's universal. And we did, I gave some example of the fourfoldness in matter or in, in space, if you like. Uh, but you have them even in time. You have, for example, the four diurnal times. Yes, right? yes, that's correct. Morning, evening. Yep. Yeah. You have the four seasons of the year, obviously. That's so obvious. Yes. And and just a clue, people. You can you can actually figure out the elements if you understand the nature. If I say that morning is fire, then you know the rest. If I say that spring is fire, then you have enough to know the rest. And we have the four stages of life. Yes. And again, it begins with fire. That's uh, the principle of number one. Here's another clue, people, if you want to work with the elements. One corresponds to fire. 
two to air, three to water, four to earth. Yeah, that's right. And the seasons, too, in particular, when you're talking about time, I mean, that's probably the easiest one to relate to just because it's, you know, you also have the extreme temperature changes uh, yeah. with each of the four seasons. And, uh, and in ritual, what's very important in ritual? That's to do with space. But what's very important in sacred space? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but, but, but what's very important in a temple? Well, like directions. Exactly. Yeah, correct, yeah. You know? Yeah, that's right. And orientating. Yeah, east, west, etc. Correct, yeah. So so that's that's another example of it in space. Now, it's interesting. You mentioned, um, you know, we, we can't go without, without air. Oh. If you regard the average of how long you can go without food, physical substance yeah that's approximated to 40 days yeah if you approximate how long you can go without water again food is obviously earth right uh without water that's four days the average of how long you can be without air is four minutes we see how we see here a hierarchy of yeah uh, should i say essentiality right and lo and behold uh, when it comes to temperature, which is a manifestation of light and fire, uh, four seconds is average. I'm, I'm not saying if you go from 37 to 36, you probably survive more than four seconds there. But if you go from uh, the the temperature you need to be alive, and then let's say 30 degrees off, yeah. <laughs> you'll die in four seconds, man. Yeah, that's right. So, so we see here a hierarchy of needs too. Fire is the most important, then air. Uh, all are important, of course, but yeah. Uh, and then water, and and the most tolerance we have uh, is then earth. Yeah, that's right. Forty days. That's, that's right. Yeah. Pretty interesting, yeah. <laughs> really interesting. Yeah, and well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Completely. Completely right on. And uh, you know me, I'm a Greco-Egyptian fetishist, right? So if you look at um, ancient initiates, isn't it interesting, Tim, that the one we know as Democrates, the fragments of his teachings or or writings are very focused on earth. The dominant fragments of Thales is most concerned with water. Water, yeah. The dominant of Anaximander, you probably know this. Yes, yeah. Air, Air. right? Correct. And then Heraclit. Yeah, sure, fire. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. And then Pythagoras, ether. The fifth element. Yeah, that's right. That's and right. Uh, enter who talks about the four roots, which is just uh, another uh, word for the elements. Yeah. He, he kind of was equally concerned with all four. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So you have uh, one uh, enlightened uh, initiate in ancient Greece for each element, then one for the fifth and one for all of them. I love that one. You got it. <laughs> well, it, that's right. It, it, you know, one of the things that I write about, too, is if we look at the Egyptian uh, mystery, you know, the, the, the Egyptian uh, right, of, uh, you know, the, the myths associated with the god Osiris and, and Isis, and, uh, you know, which was the, the cornerstone of their, their theology, uh, their mythology. In the story of Osiris, he's, uh, 
He's tricked by his brother, Set, who's not a nice guy. And he's chopped up, just like we might chop up uh, an herb, right? Mm -hmm. If we're doing a chemical operation. And he's thrown into the Nile, which is, of course, the symbol for water. And then he's he's uh, he's washed up. Uh, some say he's uh, he he the water gets absorbed into a a a tamarisk tree or a, some sort of a sacred bush, and uh, is turned into a pillar. But Isis goes out looking for Osiris, and when she finds him, she turns herself into a bird. And she she starts flying around him, uh, giving in, invocations to, to try to bring him back from the dead. Mm. So it went from earth to water to air, you know, with her turning into a bird. Mm-hmm. And then and then she lights uh, candles or oil lamps and burns incense. And uh, with the help of the the healing goddess Sekhmet. They raise Osiris from the dead. So, so it literally went earth, water, air, fire. Yeah, because uh, you need all four to be in existence. That's right, and 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 through so his so the drama of his story goes through those stages, uh, to, and then and then he's raised to this new perspective, right? I mean, he went from. From uh, the uh, the pieces are regathered back into the oneness, you know, it, uh, and I mean it's a it's a great allegory, both alchemical allegory for operations, but also for consciousness, but how it has to go through these stages, and it, it's you know it's no coincidence that, uh, in my opinion, of course Pythagoras, you know, he studied in Egypt, yeah. Uh, for, for years and years, and uh, he came, came back, and he, he's the one who coined the term philosophy. And uh, these ideas were passed on. Mm. It's interesting too. I was, I was, uh, you know, I've done quite a bit of traveling in uh, the Middle East, uh, in particular, and mm. and uh, meeting with Druze communities, mm. the Tahid Mohadun uh, Druze. They celebrate Pythagoras. This Pythagoras is one of their prophets in their tradition. They're a Gnostic tradition, you know, but they mm-hmm. but they venerate Pythagoras as one of their top prophets. And in fact, uh, their their symbol, the Druze star, which is five pointed star, mm-hmm. uh, one of the points of their star is they actually can attribute to Pythagoras, which is that's a that's an old connection. That must be yeah. old connection. Very, very old connection. I yeah. mean, they've been they've been doing that for. Well, we know uh, they go back the, the rituals that they're practicing now go back at least uh, two thousand years, mm-hmm. or well, at least a thousand years. But um, they claim they came out of Egypt originally yeah. a long time ago. That's the same. Yeah, Pythagoras are the same. Yeah, and later uh, philosophers like uh, Aristotle even wrote entire treaties on the different four elements. Yeah, that's based on Plato, but I I never regarded him him as an initiate. But he was a 
I'm a pupil of Plato's school. So everything lucid I get from Aristotle, I attribute to Plato. <laughs> yeah, sure, 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 sure. You know? Sure. But you're right. He is known for having uh, one of the most survival treatises about this topic. One of the oldest is from him. But you, you touched the key there because Pythagoras, uh, like Plato, and like Herodot, and like Plato's ancestor, uh, Solon, yeah. yeah. For Greeks, we know that got access to the Egyptian mysteries. Those four chaps, if they brought back this thing from Egypt, and, and we know from what you said in, in the Isis story, but also from other stuff that the Egyptians were aware of the four elements. But then we have the interesting thing that the Indian tradition of Ayurveda, for example, and the Egyptian, we know that historically they have uh, been tied, designated as two survival colonies of Atlantis. So already there, yeah. we see a hint of an older understanding of nature that has survived, fortunately. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, it seems to be, I, I mean, when you trace things back to these uh, these elements and you... You know, one of the things that really fascinated me, uh, it's, it's a little off topic, but not really, mm -hmm. is I travel around the world and I meet with these different traditions that all have all passed on these rituals that are all based on the elements. Uh, but all of these traditions have these same myths of uh, surviving the this flood in antiquity. Mm. And that uh, most of them have a uh, a legend of either they themselves came from a previous place that uh, that passed on these these rituals with the elements, mm -hmm. or they have legends of people coming from the sea or gods coming from the sea uh, after this flooding and delivering these rituals to them. Yeah. And uh, and that they continued to pass on thereafter, and the fact that we find these same rituals on both sides of the Atlantic, and uh, all over the all over the world, with the, even the same names being used for a lot of things, and uh, the, the the same rituals being done, the same secret handshakes being used, and the same this progression with the elements really seems to suggest, in my opinion, that if we're talking at Atlantis, uh, it's very... It's very uh, Could you repeat that? Your sound went off. Yeah, I, I was saying that if we're looking at Atlantis, hmm. then uh, to me, uh, it seems very clear that the, the elements were a fundamental part, had to have been a fundamental part of the Atlantean teachings, or at least something that they felt had to be preserved and passed down to all of these other traditions. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we wouldn't be encountering it the same in, in the rituals of all of these different traditions all around the world that yeah. are similar. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, had to, it had to have gone back to a source. And... And the elements themselves, we can speculate, uh, oh, you know, elements are fundamental of observing nature, but the fact that these rituals are identical and the, the secret handshake is identical. And the, yeah, exactly. You know, that, 
That suggests that it was passed on. Yeah. And that earlier culture valued these elements so much that they tried to preserve it and codify it within, uh, you know, these ritual ceremonies. Exactly. Yeah. And you do touch uh, a little uh, from not just the hermetic, you, you also go into the Indian Indian yeah. approach in your book and alchemy. It's it's funny you you say the flood, the world going under. The world has four elements in how it goes under too. Four catastrophes. Yeah, you have earthquakes, obviously. Yeah, <laughs> you have floods. I, I don't even have to say which elements these belong to, right? Yeah. Then you have storms, or maybe we could say meteorites. You know, stuff from the sky. Yeah. And then you have wildfire. That's right. That's right. There was one point uh, that uh, half of the globe were burning. This is in in the Indian myths. In the oldest scriptures we know, they talk about huge yeah, forest fires in the world. Yeah, the Ramayana, the, exactly. the Mahabharata, yeah, for sure. And science has confirmed it because they go down layers, right? And they found this layer that fits in time with what the Indian says. And they can say, wow, here's been a huge fire yeah. on the earth. So we we survived that. That's like a, a a little comfort in these times where the rainforests are burning artificially. By the way, uh, arsony. Oh, uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, horrible. Yeah. Well, and I and I hear that there's been some burning up in the Arctic too. Oh, that I didn't know. But I do know the um, rainforest is burning both in South America, which is what hasn't reached the news, but even more so the rainforest in Africa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that gets no news. And these are the lungs of the earth people. So you should care when people burn them down for for profit, the multinational corporations. Anyway, let's move on. That's depressing. (laughs) It's, it's, It's its own show. Let's move on. So you said that it was also connected to the mind. And I want to give examples of that too. Uh, For example, I'll say that the perceptions, the five perceptions can be divided in. Because I know you're aware of the frequency of each perception. So if you start with the lowest, which is tactile, that has the lowest number of hertz. And that corresponds to earth. Above that, you find taste, which corresponds to water. And that has a little higher frequency. Then interesting, the fifth element comes in the middle as some kind of balance, which is hearing. And folks, they say the first sense, perception sense to work in a new made Oh. is uh, hearing that's already as uh, fetus interesting and the last to go is also the hearing so that's pretty interesting that's why the tibetans whisper into the air of the newly deceased up till i think three days after the fact yeah. then if you go in a higher frequency you come to the range of visible lights you know what we can perceive as sight uh, no sorry uh, before that the you have smell. uh, smelling yeah, yeah, that's before. And smell, by the way, for the longest time they argued, no, no, that's not vibrations. 
but the perfume industry has done great because they they want to find cheap ways to reproduce smells, right? Yeah. So they have done a lot of research, and now we know. And I have uh, even their charts, and it's interesting that each sense can also be divided into four plus one. So we have uh, smell, and then we have sight, which is fire, obviously. So all the five elements there connected to our consciousness but then again you can zoom in let's take taste for example i'll argue that sweet is water energizing that earth is bitter uh, and bitter is base obviously right in 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 chemistry it's the fundament the the opposite of earth obviously is acid sour which is air and then you have salt, which is fire. And just think of salt dehydrates, right? So because the clue here is that water and fire are opposites and earth and um, air is opposite. So, you know, in the old days, they didn't have fridges. So they salted the stuff to preserve life force. So you sure. see, you see the logic here. It goes again and again and again in everything. And a little later, we go more into the principles of each element themselves because if you know those principles you can recognize them in the fourfulness without even having read a book about <laughs> the elements yeah that's right but i i say perception in itself that i gave example of now belongs to earth i'll say emotions to water thoughts to air and creativity yeah uh, to Abs- fire. Yeah, yeah. And you said something similar in your book. Um, yeah, that's and right. I would say symbols are the language of fire. Yeah, and if we, you know, if we were to, uh, you know, an- another another way to look at it too is if we if we look at like uh, like Jungian archetypes, mm. uh, and, and how archetypes manifest at different levels when you're. Talking about uh, fire, fire is kind of like this magician archetype, right? I mean, that's that's the, the magician's the creative person who's a, who's able to pull things out of out of nothing. Mm-hmm. And uh, air is kind of like this warrior archetype, right? Who's who goes out and and uh, swinging the sword and. So on and so forth, and is is out conquering the conquering things and uh, taking things head on, mm-hmm. and, and, which is a very mental process, you know. Uh, water is is more of a martyr archetype. It's more of a, a emotional sense of nurturing and uh, and protecting and protecting and. Uh, and Earth is more of like the orphan archetype, right? Is 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 the 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 sense of perception where you feel like uh, the whole world is is either providing for you or is or is denying you. <laughs> you know, you've been you've been denied uh, things that you need physically, mm-hmm. and. Uh, or provided things you need physically, right, right. And so there's a these archetypes of of uh, the orphan, and the martyr, and the warrior, and and the magician. Mm-hmm. They play in rela- relation to these elements. Yeah, if you if you're using tarot, <coughs> sorry, if you're using tarot, I rather say air is 
more than the warrior because the fire can have warrior aspects i say air is more like the pope yeah. you know the or the ruler the one who dictates the structures this is how it yeah. this is the dogma this is how it's supposed to be this is these are the laws yeah maybe maybe a better thing for the air would be uh, the wanderer you know the idea of the wanderer the one who, who's who's willing to go out and explore the yeah, to look at things. to to cover space, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right, but but in this this regard, like from like a tarot perspective, Earth would be associated with the discs or the coins, and uh, water would be associated with the cups. Careful now, because one of the big disagreements in esoterica is this exact symbolism, and I suspect we may have different. But that's cool because then we can uh, exchange ideas. But go on, yeah. Go on. So, so you know, the the the, the water would be the cups, you know, because obviously they store the liquid. Yeah. The, the the swords would be the air, right? Because they literally swing swords in the air. It's it's and then uh, here here's where we depart because you're going to say wands are fire. Yeah, because yeah. the wand is the creative act, right? It's that's the fire. It's in fact. That's why wands are always associated with creating, like, fire out of nothing. Yeah, but I, I will... Uh, uh, I don't know how much time you should use on this, but it's interesting. Uh, and it's something that people are concerned about. This is the main way to see it in tarot. But there is a smaller current, which, if you go uh, further back... And remember, tarot is a leak from the esoteric world. Yeah. So I don't care what 90% of the books say today, because they are just, yeah, sure, you know... Sure, sure. I agree. Yeah, wrote, I agree. Uh, written. But here's, here's another way to look at it. Swords are forged in fire. And swords are, like one, they are uh, sharp. They are no-nonsense. They cut through everything like fire does. It's a transforming element. Swirl is also uh, the most powerful. The reason I uh, ascribe wands to air is that, first of all, wands is tree. It comes from the tree which breathes in order to grow. And wands are also a symbol of, it's a polar thing like air, like two. It goes to equal uh, sides. It's also a symbol of rulers and uh, uh, priests and teachers because it's like uh, I give you the wand now you have the power that's the that's the trend uh, because f- yes fire is more powerful in that it begins thing but the fire isn't a ruler because to have a ruler you have to have someone who's willing to cover space to cover air yeah. to go around in the land to lay down the laws lay down the doctrines the teachings which is a very mental concept and, and both are masculine obviously so both both are powerful, both both are plus. So that's uh, uh, just very superficial why I adhere to the yeah, that's other minority view that swords are fire and wants are air. But it has no, people, it has no practical difference if you're used to, you know, using one symbolism in your tarot. It's okay. You can go on doing sure. it. Sure. Yeah. There's no, there's no dogma. That uh, I liked what you had to say too. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, it, yeah. I think it's interesting. But <laughs> yeah, these are these are symbols that are we need to apply to ourselves. So yeah, yeah. Well, see, uh, between you and me, I think you should convert immediately over yeah. to, to that scheme. <laughs> 
Because the other one is the exoteric one. You can't afford uh, carrying that. But do you work with tarot at all? I don't. But do you? Not really. I mean, I, no. I, uh, I, I recognize it more as a symbolic system related to Kabbalah. Yeah. But, uh, I, you know, I, 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 uh, that's, that's my, I'm more interested in it just from a symbolic system. But I don't, I don't, I don't do readings or anything like yeah. that. And a magician, I believe, well, the problem with the magician is, is that he has both a sword and a wand, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He has the, yeah, it's the, the creative will, though. I mean, in a way, you know, I had a, I had a friend of mine once who he was very into, uh, Oh, he was into trying to learn how to do things that ancient people, mm. like really ancient people, like Stone Age people used to do. You know, so he would like try to figure out how to how to uh, make arrows out of or make ah, arrows. That's air. Yeah, make arrowheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Arrows, air. Sure. And, and he'd do he'd do other things like this, but one of the things he used to point out was uh, the when you go to make fire, the creative process of making fire, whether you're you're rubbing sticks together, or whether you're you're adding flint, yeah. uh, rock to steel, or or any of these things. There's a there's this process where you know you have to collect the earth and you have to. You have to remove the moisture, and you have to create the spark, and you have to and you have to add the air to it. Uh, yeah, it needs it to breathe because fire it, needs the three other bodies in order to manifest. That's right. It, it's almost like a, a life of itself. It feeds off of the earth, and it breathes the the air and it has the but needs the the, the fuel uh, yeah you know in science they say it's a fourfold process to manifest fire again for you need the heat fuel oxygen and you need what they call the chain reaction yeah that's the four elements uh, to manifest fire again yeah. A fourfold beautiful symbolism here, huh? That's right. So thank you for giving me that idea. And when you mention tarot, we can't get away from two other factors. One, you could look at the playing cards. And I'm going to give a clue to understanding. After the break, Tim will give you the second clue. But the first clue is to understand that we're talking about polarities. We're talking about masculine and feminine. We have two masculine. We have two feminine. And so you see on the playing cards, folks, you see the two black cards and the two red cards. Already there, you understand that. Okay. Two of them has to be uh, earth and water. And the other two has to be fire and air and if i give you the following clue if i say fire uh-huh. is spades then you should be able to work out the rest and uh, then you will know that the opposite of fire obviously is water and you will also know the other masculine is clubs because that's the other black one and again it's it's a flower so it needs to breathe whereas spades is kind of like a arrow thing like a sharp thing like the sword like number one then you have heart which is uh, you can have this as a association heart is emotions right yeah ergo water it helps the blood too which is a liquid exactly and then you have diamonds which is square and and which is earth in which are dug out of the earth ah exactly i didn't think of that good point yeah and the other thing generated by the earth yeah pardon 
They're generated naturally by the Earth. Exactly. That's what they are. They are the most long uh, produced. <laughs> yeah. From coal, isn't it? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Which is burnt matter. So it's dead as coal and then it gets born again in Mother Earth. <laughs> and, yeah. and Earth is also associated to birth. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the feminine process of giving birth, not initiating stuff. Obviously, that's fire. But we have to point to a, one other interesting thing, and that's the wheel of tarot. I have it in front of me, and it says, "Tarot, tarot, tarot, tarot." You know, yeah, yeah. And that can be divided into the following five elements. First off, you have rota, which means wheel. And rota is the oldest symbol in the world, folks. You find it all over the world in all cultures, which again suggests an insight into the fourfoldness of existence. So you have rota hidden in that word. Then you have Torah, which is the obviously the uh, book of the law in Kabbalah. Correct. Yeah. Then you have orator, which is one who masters the gift of speech. Yep. That's air, I say. Because that's mental, right? Word. Absolutely. Yeah, you're speaking, right? Speaking, yeah. right? Communication, which is mental. Then you have aura, which is uh, prayer or invocation. Uh, it also can mean horizon. Um, and that's a very feminine thing. You know, you a devotion. Oh, I hope I give, I give my heart in this so that I can receive aura, right? You have to, you, you cannot pray without devotion. <laughs> that's right. That's right. right? And then you have or, O-R, which is to express a ritual formal. Of, uh, no, formal, what's that in English? Recipe, maybe? Recite. Um, uh, yeah, res, uh, yeah. Recital. Uh, formula. Yeah. yeah. So, so those are beautifully hidden in the wheel of tarot. <laughs> yeah, well, or, or is also a, kind of the root of, of uh, the word for gold, too. The old word for one of the old words for gold. oh, uh, without uh, just o r. I thought gold was a u r. Well, it is a u r, but it's related to o r. <laughs> yeah. Ah, interesting. That's yeah, so cool. Fact, that, and that's where the the uh, that's where mining ore, the word mining, come from. Yeah. All right. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. You know, th there's another there's another thing I started thinking about too. Uh, this is uh, more from a uh, Masonic perspective within Freemasonry, mm -hmm. but one of the you know one of the fundamental teachings related to uh, at at the foundation of Freemasonry is that 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 any entered apprentice learns about as they they're made a, a Mason is is they're exposed to the idea of the four cardinal virtues. Mm. Uh, so that you know, and, and the three heavenly virtues, and, and the three heavenly virtues, of course, were faith, hope, and charity. Mm. Uh, and then the cardinal virtues were temperance, prudence, fortitude, and justice. Exactly. And those four cardinal virtues are regularly depicted within uh, Masonic systems as uh, they're usually depicted as as women. And if you look up any picture of the cardinal virtues you'll you'll find this online very easily but but the point i want to make is that these cardinal virtues were also associated with the elements so for example temperance 
the the image of temperance is a is a woman pouring uh, water from uh, one container into another container, from a or sometimes from a jug into a a uh, a bowl, in a, and this is of course the symbol for water. Mm. Prudence is holding a, a mirror and is also holding a, a snake, uh, which represented earth. Uh, of course, the snake was always a symbol for the earth because it crawls closest to the earth. What was the other thing she held? A mirror? And a mirror, yeah. So she's looking at she's looking at the mirror. So this this idea reflection right it's a reflection of herself yeah the illusions the Buddhists say maya earth is is maya right mm. maya, correct. And, and then is holding this uh it's like a well it's it's actually the rod of uh, eucalyptus it's the mm. it's used to to heal right mm. this, the, the rod with the with the with the serpents uh, which is also uh, comes became it later became a symbol for the medical profession and uh, people often confuses it with Hermes stuff. Correct, yeah, which is yeah the the Caduceus, mm. which has two two snakes, right? Two snakes, but in both instances, you know, it's like uh, it's a uh, you know the main things you have there is you have a the stick and then you also have the the snake and the the idea is you you know you throw the stick down the snake wraps around it you mm. know I mean, it's, it's bound to earth like that mm -hmm. and uh and interestingly that's also uh of course one of the miracles of moses right i mean he uh oh yeah that's right staff, he turns his staff into a serpent and then back into a staff again in the in the ways that the Egyptian priests knew how to do, which was probably all symbolic, but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but yeah, so this is the symbol for 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 prudence, which was associated with earth. But Moses also divided the, the waters. He did divide the waters, yeah. yeah, for sure. Yeah. So that's that's the water element. Andy Andy saw the burning bush, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all the elements. There, yeah, yeah, but go on with the with the temp uh, with the four uh, virtues. Yeah, for the 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 then uh, justice is seen uh, holding uh, the scales, holding the scales up in the air. Oh, that has to be air, right? And then she's also seen holding a sword. You know. Oh, she is okay. So she's got both the sword and the scales, and mm -hmm. so. Uh, but I, I'm not I'm not bothered by her sword because uh, air, in order to maintain the law, needs help of fire. It needs uh, yeah, for sure, absolutely. Know? If the fire is like the the threat, that's like military USA. In order to dominate the world as they do, they need a military uh, as a, in in the back of the hand, right? Yeah, that's right. That's exactly <laughs> as a threat if if they don't get their will. Yeah. So so I I do regard sword as will. And more uh, air as uh, you know the word, the word that expresses the will. If you see what I mean. Yeah, that's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yep. And then, uh, and then, fire uh, is associated with fortitude, and in fortitude, she's depicted all dressed in yellow, mm -hmm. red, and she's holding, and she's wearing the helmet of. Uh, Hang on, yellow and red. Did you say correct? Yellow and red, mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. And she's holding the, uh, or she has the helmet of uh, of Palace Athena. Of course, yeah, that has to be fire. 
Yeah, which, you know, is, and it's, you know, of course you have to, you can only forge armor in, in fire to begin yeah. with. Uh, so these, you know, these four, each of these four elements uh, are depicted in the four cardinal virtues, the, the traditional Yeah, because it's so universal, because it's the symbolism. Yep. So symbols is a very pure way to understand deeper truths because it condenses it. That's right. And you can, uh, it doesn't even have to be visual symbols. It can be poetic mythical symbols like like in the magic and medieval ages they talk about what is it the salamanders and the yeah, yeah that's right what, what's it there yeah um, so salamander comes from so the salamander which was uh, like this lizard that lived in the fire right fire but mm. but, the, but it was a uh, this was a play on words that came from sal and mandra uh, the greek words so sal sal meant salt and mandra meant stable. So the word salamandra meant stable salts. And that's that's what, when you're doing alchemical operations, with, with the last stage of fire, when you calcinate things down, that's where you extract the stable salts out of the experiment. Mm-hmm. So it was actually alluding to the process of calcination that you right. needed to do in order to... What, what are the three other elements in that uh, terminology? Oh, so, well, so like, for example... Uh, gnomes, I know. Gnomes were associated with earth. Uh, mermaids or undines were associated with water. And then air sylphs or, or fairies were associated with air. Yeah, Right. Well, and you mentioned healing. Well, we can't get away from the fact that there's a lot of uh, ancient healing system, but also contemporary. If you go to natural uh, nature uh, medicine and stuff like that, you will encounter uh, the four humors, as they call it. Oh, yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, the four humors. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the, like the, the hylic and the, the sanguine and the... Uh, yeah, I can't, I'm, I'm, I'm drunk. Yeah, phlegmatic and choleric. Right, choleric, that's right. Yeah. So sanguine is connected to air and blood. Yes. Uh, phlegmatic to water and fl- uh, phlegma. Yeah. Yellow bile to fire, that's choleric. Yeah. And black bile to earth, that's melancholic. Yeah. And I, d- I believe the anthroposophists, you know, the Rudolf Steiner system, they're big on that one. Okay. Because they don't just regard it as... Um, medicinic in the body, although they have the medicine system, they also regard it as four character types. Uh, I guess related to the temperament types you were yeah. talking about. Yeah, 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 the, 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 yeah. You, uh, yeah, the, I've and I've. By the way, I've seen. Seems to be a resurfacing of some of this idea of. These different personality types, you know, and how they uh, they call them different things now, but it's, it's still yeah. The Jungian system is based on the four elements. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Don't you mention that in the book? I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, the extroverted, the introverted, and then we have intuitive type, thinking type, feeling right. type, sensation type, and they both come in a masculine extrovert and feminine introvert version. Correct. Mm. Yep. Okay, I think we'll take a break at that highlight, and when we come back, we'll go even deeper into the elements. Tim will tell you about the qualities 
And I'll throw in even more examples of the fourfoldness and we'll muse a little more in how you deal with them in your book. Sounds okay? Sounds great. All of our files are free and will remain free. If you like the show, you can show support by donating $1 to help with expenses. Just use the PayPal link on our website, YouTube channel, or Facebook page. Thanks. Thanks.